Welcome to the Schools Out podcast with Mike and Miles. Longtime educators Mike Ditzenberger and Miles O'Shea discuss educational issues to provoke thought and encourage solutions. The potential of public education is limitless. We must work together to overcome obstacles to realize that potential and create new structures that work for everyone. The system is broken. Everyone deserves better. We can get there together. School is out. Now let's get started. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Going great. Big topic this week. Big topic. What do we got? What's the goal? Oh, I like that. <laughs> I've, been, I've been tapping all over town to asking people, people I know, teachers, adults, kids, about what is the goal of public education. And inevitably, it always turns out to another question, what should be the goal of mm-hmm. public education? Two different questions, but... Uh, one is harder to answer than the other. I think what we'll spend our time doing today is trying to answer a couple of those different yeah. questions. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, Mike, we've got this big topic. What's the goal? How do we decide that this is something that we should talk about? I think it, it came out of if, if we don't know what the goal is at any level, then what are we working toward? And then it got really deep, and I think that's where we're going to go today is What's the goal for the state? What's the goal for the country? And digging down deeper, what's the goal for the school district, for the school building, for the classroom, for the kid? What's what's the goal? I think that we're all over the place. And if you ask different people, you get different ideas of what the goal is. And I, I haven't had the same answer yet from any person, either, again, my wife, parents, Kids, teachers, I've, I've had different answers across the board. Sometimes you hear similar things, but that when they talk about what the goal should be, they, they kind of go off into one direction, and when they, when they talk about what the goal is, it's, it's always something different. Yeah, and this is a conversation that we've had before, and it's something that I've always been very interested in, of trying to define what the goal of education is in general. And the way I think about it is if you have a student from kindergarten through 12th grade, what is the goal for that experience? And I've often thought that one of the biggest problems we have in education is inability of our system or our schools to define what that goal is for our kids. Mm -hmm. And to me, if we don't know exactly what the goal is, it's impossible to measure if we've achieved anything or not, where sometimes we're trying to measure different things or use different forms of assessment to say, yes, we're successful or no, we're not, when we haven't even clearly defined what we're trying to do in the first place. Right. And even if we have standards, if you will, standards from a state, um, from, a, from a department of education that says, this is what the goal should be for learning, How we even approach those types of goals is very subjective by school district, by building, by community. I mean, how would a how would one community address the same set of standards as another community? I mean, you you can't you can't look at that and not see that two different things are going to happen among two very different communities. But if how, how do we know that we're all working toward that that same right goal? And. There's different layers of the system, I guess, that you could have goals for. And one thing when we talked about this before we started was imagine that you could find the person in charge of education, say, at the federal level or the state level, and you got to ask them this question. What's the goal for a K-12 through educational experience for a student in this state? What do you think they would say in response to that? I think you're going to get so many different answers. Uh, again, so some of the things that I heard were, were uh, they should be educated, they should they should be confident, they should be productive citizens by the time they leave the educational system. And then all the way into different realms of things, I asked a parent, I said, what do you think should be the goal for, for public education? And, and she said to me, I want my kids to come home happy. She goes, I, I know I should say more than that, but at this point in my life and in their lives, I just want them coming home happy. 
That was very interesting. Kind of impactful, too. And I think you bring up an interesting uh, nuance to this question. Would different people at different layers of the system have different responses? I think they would. So, you know, you have politicians, you have school officials, you have teachers, you have administrators. You also have parents and you have students. Right. Who are super important components of that system. Yeah. How would each one of those stakeholders define what the goal is or do they have different goals for the same system and when you start to look at all those things i think you start to understand why we wanted to talk about this in the first place mm-hmm. if students have a goal and parents have a goal and teachers have a goal administrators everyone has different goals that could be one of the reasons why you get the sense that this system that we have doesn't work or is broken or whatever because everyone is focused on different things. Right. And and if I think it's it takes a, a strong leader to to just put their put their their flag in the ground and say this is the goal for this building, this is the goal for this district, for the state, for the state of the union. That that takes a a firm well-grounded leader to be able to say that, but it has to be said too with a lot of input from the constituents that they serve. And I, I'm not going to lie, I did a little bit of research on this. You know, it was one of those things where when you, when you talk about the goal, every, everywhere you go tends to go into a historical background. So I was fascinated about that. I went back, I read this interesting paper. I, I will have to cite it in the, in the website. But it talked about how when William Penn was awarded the land area that he was that he was given the Pennsylvania, what we know as now, it was a debt paid by King George the second. It was like a 10,000 pound debt. So he's like, here, take this. And almost immediately William Penn started to think about legislature and the fact that, well, this is a big chunk of land. I probably can't call this my home. So I'm going to have to do something with it. And it was he way back when that started thinking like everybody should be educated. Now it was a long time after that that there was a formal system of education put in place for the state. But even William Penn made a statement of the goal of a public education should be to serve the needs of the state. And I, that was very impactful for me as I continue to think about this topic for well a week now. Is what is the need? What do we need? in our country, in our state, in our schools, and how are we arranging to serve that need? Yeah, and that's really interesting. Yeah. And I like the historical roots of what you were talking about and thinking how the system started in the first place. I think that's really important. And, you know, I think it's easy in the year 2023 to just assume we have public education and it's designed to serve the best uh, interests of the population and do what's best. If you think about a few hundred years ago, why people would create a system where they were able to offer free education to people in the first place. What would be the motivating factors to create a public educate public education system? What would make people say, we're going to take our money and essentially spend it on other people? Or we're going to take a collection of money and educate people. Right. And I'm going to talk a little bit in general terms as opposed to what you were talking about with William Penn, but it's going to go to the same place. If you think about the dawn of the Industrial Revolution and people coming out of farms or areas of land where they were just able to live and kind of take care of themselves and the need during the Industrial Revolution for people to work in factories and the culture shock that existed as people lived pretty free lives and then were forced to work in factories for 12 or 14 or 16 hours a day and how difficult it was to get people used to that. Right. And then you think, what does public education look like? Well, it looks like a place where I gather people up and I get them to come to a place for 8 or 10 hours a day and to move when I ring a bell and to get used to a lot of times sitting and being bored for long periods of time. And what have I done? I've created a system with my money that I'm training people for the interests of the state or the interests right. of the 
the work, the owning class or whatever that is to say, now I've trained people. They're not going to buck the system anymore. Yeah. I've just trained them to be bored, to move when I ring these bells, to sit all day, to do what I tell them to do, train them, and go home. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking kind of in a cynical way, but I don't think it's much more than that. I think that was the origins of the public education system. People have always had grander ideals associated with it than that. But if you think of it in those simple terms, what's the goal? Right. Always kind of was to get people together, to teach them what we need them to have to work or be a member of society. And this is something I think is really interesting. The way those systems are measured is still through standardized forms of assessment. Right. These students perform at the top levels of math or reading or writing or whatever those are. The problem is when you talk to people deeply about education systems and what the world needs right now from education, those things are very very rarely listed as the top needs. Right. Proficiency in reading, proficiency in writing, and math, because like you said, we do want to do those things, but we want to go so much beyond that because of what the future will hold. Right. And how we want to prepare people for success in the future. So to just like measure ourselves by those very standard forms of assessment doesn't get to what we all think this system could do, in my mind. No, I agree with you. And, and I think using just those measures to to gauge success often leads to, and I, I hate to keep sounding this way, but it's very, it, it leads to some form of, of exclusion. I mean, if you keep saying, if, if, if you're told that, you know, we need to have more STEM in schools, we need to have more emphasis on math in schools. Okay, well, under what model? So if, if we need higher scores in math, or if we need more proficiency in math, are we going to continue to do the same thing and expect different results? Or are we going to start pushing for a different learning experience in math to reach some goal? And, and by that, I mean, why do we still have elementary math and then we filter out when a kid can actually take calculus until they're considered some kind of an advanced level? It eventually bleeds out to some form of exclusionary practice by saying that we're going to have the standardized test that's going to separate those who can from those who can't. We're just looking for more kids who can if if that's the goal, then why are we wasting our time with everything else? Um, and I agree with you, there should be so much more. We should have experiences for kids early in their educational careers that lead them to making decisions, in my mind, that, that lead them to success, which is, I chose this. I, I really had to simplify that for myself because I chose this for me. That's success to me. You know, I, should I... It, if, if, if I'm a kid and I'm like, oh, I just want to be rich. I just, I want to be financially wealthy. That's, that's all I want. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, let's talk about how we're going to do that then. Mm -hmm. What all goes into that? Or, you know, how many kids say I want to do A, B to, to, ex to experience success? I don't know too many that do, but we should offer all the opportunities we can to enrich those kids' lives, as you said. And let's say that we were able to get the Secretary of Education for the State of Pennsylvania on this podcast, which we haven't invited on. <laughs> but let's say that person were here. And let's say we presented those two statements that we just said. Like, this is what we think the goal of our education system should be. I'm going to bet that that person wouldn't disagree with them too much. I mean, I don't really see how you could disagree with those statements lofty goals, very individualized, focused on the individual and what they need. Mm -hmm. Like educational professionals would probably say, that sounds pretty good. But then if we had that person here and we said, at the same time, you are measuring our success with very standardized, finite forms of assessment right. in math and reading. They would say, what everyone does to that, well, those are just... Those are just some assessments that we use, benchmarks that we use to see how people are doing. They're not our overall goal. They're just benchmark assessments. My point to that is that 
as soon as you make that the assessment, it becomes the goal. Right. You cannot just have a baseline level of, we're going to see how this goes and attach very high stakes to it and not make it the goal. Right. Just like if you were a classroom teacher and you were teaching to a lofty goal with expectations that you wanted to get to, and at the end of all that, you said, I'm just going to give this assessment on something completely different. Mm-hmm. I want to get you guys all really high or wherever I want to take you, but I'm going to give you this completely different assessment and give that out to everybody and show them how you did. I think that's what we do in education, unfortunately. And the fact that those high-stakes tests exist, and I don't want to rail against high-stakes tests because people do that all the time, but I just want to point out that that assessment affects the goal. Well, right. And then how does it affect the goal? It, it starts to develop this, this learned helplessness among systems that that goal is unreachable or it's unreachable for our community. And then you start hearing weird conversations. Well, we don't have that demographic. We can't do that. And now you've just, you have communities that start to have this different realization of where they are based on a goal, based on what's available to them. And you're just spinning in this downward cycle of not being able to achieve some goal based on some assessment, based on another podcast that we did on some fake grade. Right. You know? And then I'm going to mention this concept that I've been thinking about called the standards trap. And I want to do a, a different podcast about this later. But that's really what I'm talking about with the standards trap. You present this lofty goal, attainable goal, I think. Prepare students to make choices about their own lives in the future. Mm-hmm. To go in whatever direction they want to go. To be prepared for that. And then I say, well, that's awesome. I'm just measuring some stuff, some math and some reading. It's not affecting your goal. But, Mike, the kids at your school can't even do math and they can't even read. You're never going to be able to prepare them to make choices beyond graduation because you can't even teach them math. You've got to teach them math first. See, I've got all these tests that show that your kids can't do math as good as the kids down the road or wherever it is. You can't go for your lofty goals. They can't even get to these goals right here. And so then what do I start doing as a building? I start hammering math and reading to the point where I don't touch upon anything else but those two things that we've always suffered upon. And now what are other buildings and communities doing? They're expanding into those horizons that we're talking about, whereas I'm stuck focusing on just getting kids to learn math based on some test that said that we're not doing that. And you're in the standards trap, and you never get your kids to where they really need to be. Right. Some kids make it, some kids don't, and then we're back to where we always are. So that is basically the problem, as as we see it, I think. The, the goal, even if we are able to define the goal, and I, I feel like we have a pretty good definition of what the goal could be. Mm-hmm. If we were able to set that goal for our school or even for a school district, the ways that that goal has to function within a system may or may not be attainable because all of the outside forces that influence it. But I think we can talk more about goals at school level, district level, classroom level, and how that impacts all of education. We'll do that next. Yeah, I think that's great. Okay, Mike, so we're going to move into talking more specifically about goals. And like you said, we did our homework on this one a little bit. You have come with the mission statement of the Department of Education for the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk about this. Now, I'm not the guy that's constantly just trying to shoot holes in something just to be a disruptor, but I'm going to... I'm going to start at many levels, I guess. I'll start with a a very shallow level first, but let me read this. The mission of the Department of Education is to ensure that every learner has access to a world-class education system that academically prepares children and adults to succeed as productive citizens. Further, the department seeks to establish a culture that is committed to improving opportunities throughout the Commonwealth by ensuring that technical support Resources and optimal learning environments are available for all students, whether children or adults. Now, that that is a very lofty mission statement to put out there for the state of Pennsylvania. And 
I'm sure if I start if I start digging into this a little bit and, and challenging it at all, there would be a lot of people that I would welcome to talk to um, that would come and say and defend that, that it's being done. But let me just start very, very easily and say that if if we're going to, if the state is going to ensure that technical support resources and optimal learning environments are available, then let's just let's just talk about air conditioning in schools. I mean, it's been that that's that's the first thing that comes to my mind is if if there are kids that go to school, which every kid in in the district that I work, every kid goes to a school without air conditioning. That means that they're sitting the month of May, the month of September in plus 95 degree heat learning and then being assessed on that learning on a standardized test and they're being compared against kids who might even sit into an, in an air-conditioned building. Who's ensuring these things? Who's ensuring that air-conditioning happens for some schools but not others? I hate to pin that on the state. I'm not trying to do that, but at the same time, those are broad statements to make when there is levels of inequity that go beyond a color barrier, that go beyond barriers that, that, that are hot points for discussion. I'm talking simple things like learning environments, air conditioning. Sure, and the state of Pennsylvania wrote that. Yeah. And they say that that is their mission. So you're not doing anything else but saying, don't think that you're living up to the goals that you've set here. Right. And I think that if we talk to whoever at the state they would place varying levels of blame on different people for why that hasn't occurred or why it hasn't occurred yet. That's our mission. We're trying to achieve it. Right. And I think that mission statement is kind of funny. I'll be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a goal. Yeah. Right? We're talking about the goal of education. That's the best thing that we can find for what the goal in our state, Pennsylvania, is of our education system. We know about mission statements. We know that a whole lot of stakeholders are gathered together Mm -hmm. to write them. I can only imagine how many different stakeholders were gathered to write this mission statement, what it looked like, and how long it took. I'm sure it took a long time. My question is, how would we ever know whether that has been achieved or not? First of all, there's about 10 statements within one statement. Who assesses that? How do we know if we've gotten there or not? Well, we just give some standardized tests. (laughs) Right. In that mission statement, which some of it sounds good, some of it sounds hokey and fake to me, within that, there's no, not one mention of ability to do Algebra 1 or to read on grade level Mm -hmm. or whatever those things are. The only way that I know of that we assess progress in the state of Pennsylvania is through those standardized tests. Now, there are some other metrics that they use and they put into the evaluation of a school, things like attendance and all kinds of other factors like that. But that is the one measure that we use in Pennsylvania to see how our schools are doing, how they're doing, how our students are doing on this test and this test. None of it relates to any of those things, any of those statements that are in their mission. And what, I I guess a big question that I would have too is, what other than punitive measures is the state doing to ensure that these things get done? So if you aren't a performing school, there's there's a punitive measure that can be put upon your district or your building to put you into some kind of improvement process where you're going to plan more and and write more statements that are going to ensure that things get done and that kids are learning and that they're safe and whatnot, but what measures are in there that says, if you're not performing, this is how we're going to help you? And is that help coming in the form of, you're, I'm going to make you do more planning and make you do more assessment? Or is it going to come in and, and say, we're going to see what your community needs to be as successful as other communities? That, that's just fascinating to me. And I'm not trying to say we all have to have the same communities, but if we're going to be held to that same goal or that same standard, 
then what are we doing as a community, as a state, as a country to make sure that we can help those things? That's what we do in classrooms. If I see a child isn't meeting me where I am as a teacher, I'm going to help that child. Does right. that mean that child gets more help than the child who is meeting me? Yeah, it does. Right. It doesn't mean I'm going to punish the child for not meeting me. That's, that's not always the best case scenario. And let's say, let me, let me take, take us in a little different direction. Let me pull out one phrase from that. And they use the phrase, I believe, productive citizens. Yeah. And that's a departure from the two statements that we made, but it's not a super far departure. Let's say we want to pull that out. And we want, and I wouldn't want to personally set that as my goal for a few reasons. I don't even want to talk about them. But let's say I pulled that out from the state's mission. I want to make productive citizens. That's the goal for me, for my school or my school system to produce, prepare people to be productive citizens. Right. I'm making producers. Yes. (laughs) How am I going to see if I accomplish that? Okay. How am I going to measure that? And let's just say, I don't even need to measure it. I'm just going to keep working on getting all of my kids, when they graduate, to be a productive member of this society in whatever way we can find. Whatever interests them, whatever values they have, whatever they can contribute and do and do well to help the collective whole, that's my mission. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I don't want to keep coming back to standardized tests, but for this topic, for some reason I am... At the same time, the state of Pennsylvania is judging my ability to do that based on whether how a kid does on this math test. Or whether he gets into college. Or right. how well he does on an SAT. Or how many kids in your school building are in advanced placement courses. But how, how can we truly, like you said, how can we truly measure that, that productivity of a citizen? Do we just say, well, hey, look, you, you don't have as many people in jail? I, I don't know. I mean, that those are bold statements, too. But And I think the problem with that is when you're trying to create measures for something like that, you're always trying to pull statistics yeah. that you can find somewhere that can say, oh, look, this area has whatever, like you just said, this incarceration rate <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is. Rather than the qualitative data that you could really tap into that I think educators express frustration with all the time of what a school does to sometimes transform people who come to them. So then we're putting a lot of weight on the the parent that says, I want my kids to come home happy. Right. And I, I, I thought about that for a while. I thought that that was maybe my goal, you know, as a principal of a building to simplify things. I want kids to go home learned and happy. So that they've, they've learned something today and they want to come back tomorrow. That's, that's a good goal for me to have as a building leader. Right. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. At all. You know, and I will put on my parent hat just for a second. This isn't going to sound great. I have one goal for my kids as they go to public education. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I'm terrified about sending them to school. It's not about school. It's not about anything else other than the idea is scary to me sometimes because I've seen the system from many different perspectives. And mm-hmm. I, I consider what might happen to these wonderful, vibrant children who I get to interact with as they go somewhere else that I'm not in control of. It's just scary as a parent. Right. My only goal is that the school do no harm. That's right. going to sound sad, but I feel as though as a parent with my wife and whatever else, whatever, whatever other network we have to support our kids, that we can help them to be the kind of creative, dynamic, thoughtful people that we want them to be. Right. I just desire that the school not extinguish those things from them. Right. And right. That's, that's tough to say, but that's my goal for school for my kids. And, you know, it, it was another person that I interviewed who said, when, I guess when we talk about what the goal should be, uh, this parent said to me, you as a school should find out what my kid likes and what my kid is good at and encourage those two things. And I'm like, wow. Encourage those two things with and through curriculum. That is a fascinating statement from a parent to hear that. Mm-hmm. You have a curriculum, okay? There's, there's what you're going to teach, but teach it in a manner 
that finds out what my kids like and what they're good at and drive them with that. That's pretty interesting that they said that. Oh, yeah. That there's a parent. I mean, I think that's a great parent statement. Yes. And I would be interested to know if they feel as though, and I've been to your school, uh, I think it's a great place for kids to go. I'd be interested to know if they feel as though your school or the system in general is doing that for their child. Yeah, I mean, when I talk to parents, some of them really feel that way, but there's there's a lot that goes into those conversations too. You there's there's a lot of parents I talk to that they themselves had a negative experience with education and so they're looking for something different for their kids. And maybe they're finding it in our building and maybe maybe they're not uh, for for any number of reasons. Maybe there's a lot of difficulty. There's there's situations that are arising, but I think inevitably too as you move on beyond beyond your years in a school and you get to reflect back on your experience in school, if you look back on it as a, as a positive experience, one, what caused that positive experience? And two, did you think it was the result of the goal of the district or the school? And I think that that's where principals in particular should focus their energy is what's your goal as a human being in the role of a principal? And in, in, in my case, it is to create an experience that is positive for students that, that teaches them and brings them back to school. And that is my biggest fear in, in my professional life is like what you just said. I've always been afraid to be the cause of somebody not wanting to learn. Mm-hmm. The cause for somebody not wanting to come to school. And I've always been fascinated about when that happens with kids. I'd like to talk about kids that have negative experiences with school in general because I want to focus in on do you remember when that happened and what do you think caused it? Because did we we then stopped meeting your goal and perhaps even our own. Yeah. You said something right there, your goal. And I, I'm thinking a lot about that statement that your parent or the parent you had the conversation with made. I want to talk about two things with what that person said. But the first thing, I have not really thought about this before and I've thought about this topic a lot. You asked that parent what their goal was for their child. Mm -hmm. How often do we do that in education? How often do we get to have conversations with the parents of the children who are coming to us and say, what do you want for your child. And even thinking about this, as I was thinking about what should the goal of a school system be or the goal of the school be, it's always from a system perspective right. or my own perspective or whatever that is. And you hear all these terms in education, learner-centered, learner-centric. Mm-hmm. What if we flip the whole idea? And what if we say we're going to build our system or our school? on the wants, desires, and needs of the family, what they want for their child. Right. Could we do that? Because different families, different parents value different things. Who are we or who am I to question what their values are? Right. what they want? And how often do we become that? I'm the expert in what's good for your child. What? Right. I mean, I might be the expert on what's academically sound, but who am I to say what's right for your child? These are interesting conversations. Now we're getting into someplace that's really fascinating because we we often in our roles as principals, we talk about like there's home rules and there's school rules. And sometimes if those interact, we have to meet. We have to meet you in the middle there. I see that you are this way at home and this is what we expect at school. Now, how do we coexist? Who's to say that shouldn't happen with academic goals or educational goals for the family. I mean, we're there to serve the family, aren't we? Right, exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Right. I tell people all the time, we're in a customer service business. Mm -hmm. The family is the customer. We're in a partnership with them. It's not all the time or should not be us telling the family, this is what you have to do or this is what you need or whatever. Why can't it be different? Why can't it be we're going to help you and your family get your child to where you guys want to go. Right. 
Right. I mean, that that takes us back to a, a really primal level of of legislation of civilization. I mean, it, when when this country was forged and people were moving into the land, and, and we're not going to get into all the all the weeds there, but okay, so I've got a bunch of people living in an area, and I'm here to serve them. It, would it not be easier to ask them what they need in order to continue to live here than for me to force upon them what I want from them? Well, yeah, I mean, right. it's much easier to start. It, not, it's not easier. It's, it's, it's more realistic to think that way. What do you need to be successful and how can I help you get that? Because I'm leading a school system that's going to serve you and fill your needs Instead of what we're doing now, which is the exact opposite, I'm telling you what the goal for you is. Right. <laughs> right. And then, exactly, why do you think so many people check out of that? Right. That's not my goal. Parents tell us that in one way or another. That's not the goals I have for my child. And when you say the word discipline, I can't help but to think what my mom always used to tell me. She always got biblical on it and everything. She's like, you know, Michael, the word discipline comes from disciple. And the Latin of that is to teach. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's always in the back of my mind. Right. Discipline, teach. Right. Discipline doesn't always mean like beat you up to get you to do what I want you to do. No, it's teach. Right. So we started talking about, you know, we, we dabbled into the solution of things, especially when it comes to the goal. How do we engage families and, and build partnerships so that their family goals, their goals for their family are being served by our school system? I, I think we really touched upon something there about having these these types of meetings with our families, getting to know them and what they value and how we can serve and provide for that. That was fascinating. And, and I think we should touch upon that a little bit more. Yeah, and I want to do that. And I just want to say something about this podcast and how we even came to do the podcast. But, Mike, we've had a lot of conversations, enjoyable conversations for the most part for me over uh, the last few years. And new ideas always come from those conversations, at least for me, I think, in talking to you. Sometimes they do, too. This is not scripted other than a loose script for what we're doing here. Right. This is... Kind of a new concept, at least from my thinking, in goals or goals for students and families. I'm kind of excited about that. We're going to talk through it right now and see what we come up with. But that's the good thing about these conversations that we have. Yeah, we we kind of thought, you know, or I did anyway, throughout the week, like, oh, let's let's really think about these lofty goals that all these institutions have. But then as we sit and talk, these other things get fleshed out, which are very interesting to talk about and. And this being one of those things, and, and you did bring up a, a student uh, that, that I had a, a while back and, you know, whose dad basically has said to the student, not basically, has said to the student, hey, I dropped out when I was close to your age, and, and if you do too, that's fine. Look, I made it, and I'm sure you will too. Now, how do you take that as a school leader and work with that? You know that it exists. You know that the goal of the family is not a 13-year education that is going to send you off and doing whatever. Your, your family goal is to maintain a business that has been successful for you. And if you can instill that upon your child, it will be successful for them. Now, how does the school work with that family? And you talked really well on that about um, providing further opportunities and then letting that, cho- that student or family decide, make decisions which leads me all the way back to the beginning when I said success is what I choose. It's, it's not something that's been chosen for me. I choose to be here. I choose to do this. Very fascinating. So let me try to meld our two statements first. Okay, so you have the statement of being able to provide students with opportunities to choose what they want to do for mm-hmm. the rest of their lives. Right. I have statement something to the effect of to lead, prepare to lead rich and fulfilling lives. So meld them together, something like prepare individuals to be able to live lives, freedom to make choices that will allow them to be 
rich and fulfilled. Right. And by rich, I don't mean stacks of paper. Right. Okay, so that's our lofty goal. We just talked a little bit about maybe diverging from just imparting our goals on people. But with that, I think that's a nice goal. I do. With also the idea of allowing our families and parents and students to have voice and choice within that. Flashback to that situation that was a couple of years ago with that student. Right. Within the system that we have, we talked through this at that time. How could we even argue that? How could we argue that this system that we're forcing you to participate in is what's best for you if the life that you've chosen or the way you've chosen to get there makes you fulfilled or you want that same thing for your son because that's what you have chosen. I don't even think we could square that at that time. No. We have this system that largely prepares people in a college preparatory track to do very specific things beyond graduation from high school. And we have a family that's saying, I want something way different than that. Right. We couldn't square that at that time. I think we can get there now with what we've talked about. I think so too. And, and, you know, for the educators out there listening to this, you, you've got to think about all those parent meetings that you've ever had. And I mean all of them. The GIEP meetings where you have a family saying to you as a teacher or to you as a school, my kid picks up information much faster than other kids per se, but also maybe much faster than you can deliver it. If we can talk freely about that, what opportunities are available for that child? What about the child that, whose family comes and says, I have no interest or, or our family interests are not aligned to reading classical literature. I know you're going to expose us to that, but understanding that we are geared toward this in our lives. Well, how do you work with that? And I think that those are those conversations that must be had. And we were talking, how much time would it take a school to do that? Would it take weeks to do that? And you said, I think that would be weeks well spent. I said, maybe it takes two weeks for the staff in, your, in a school building to meet with every single family and every single student one-on-one before a school year. Yeah. If that took two weeks of time, I think that's probably more valuable than two weeks of instruction if you're able to really genuinely get to know students, their families, and what they want from the experience and allow them to set goals. Right. What a powerful experience that would be. Right. And that is that is attainable, even for uh, people that might be listening to this and, and wanting to shoot holes in a big statement like that, saying, well, I have 25 or I have 30 kids in my classroom, and how am I going to create an individualized experience for every single one of those children? I would say that it's possible, as long as you know, understand in the back of your head that there's that piece of that child that you know about because of that meeting, that's going to change the way you approach teaching your class. Right. Even as a whole. Right. And let me take one step back as a, a parent. Think about a parent sending their child off to, say, first grade. <clears throat> In most normal circumstances, there is no connection. First day of school, your child goes. Mm-hmm. Teacher teaches them. Child goes. Maybe you have some contact on an open house night. Maybe you get a parent-teacher conference where you get to sit down and talk about a few grades or how things are going. And that's it. Right. Think about what that would look like if, as a family, you got to go with the teacher and maybe some other school personnel and have a conversation about where you are as a family right now, the things that you value, care about, and what you want for your child. Right. And at a young age, the child might not be able to articulate a whole lot about where they want to go to someday as far as adulthood, but you can still get to know the things that they care about are interested in, like to do at home, and start to build an understanding of the family and the child and form a partnership. And as you're talking to me about that, a vision comes into my mind of, I mean, what's to say a a home-style dinner with five different families at one time with a teacher wouldn't serve that purpose? Or two families at a time, three families at a time, sitting around a table having a home-style meal discussing goals for learning. That is a fantastic concrete idea slash solution that 
we could put into place without too much effort, without too much planning, without too much financial burden. I think that's an awesome idea. Didn't we just do a whole podcast about school lunch? And I think and we did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're, we're not going to contract out for that or get approval for that. That might have to be a little side job, but how amazing would that be? Well, and think about that. I think that's an awesome idea, but think about the most personal, intimate encounters you can have with other people. They involve breaking bread, cooking meals, sitting down together, sharing that common experience, and then talking. Mm-hmm. Showing up at the doorstep with a ham. A ham would do it. <laughs> a ham dinner would do it. Yeah. Some pasta would do it. Yeah. Maybe you could even get some insight on what the, the family might want. Exactly. So. And then imagine the relationships that are being solidified among other families getting to know different people that my child is going to have class with. I think it's awesome. I think we could probably talk about this forever because I'm just starting to think about this idea. And for some reason, when we talk about topics, I go way back in history times. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take you back in history times again. One room schoolhouse, but picture the teacher who comes to a new community and teaches at a one room schoolhouse. Back in history times, that teacher lived with families who she taught with. And right. it might not be, it was different in different communities, but it might be, say, for a month with this family and then a month with that family. And think about the intimate understandings of each family that that teacher was able to gather. And I'm sure they sat down and had meals together. And I'm sure they talk, got to talk about what the family cared about and what the interests of the child were. And I always kind of return to that one-room schoolhouse ideal because I think it's so cool. And mm -hmm. as we've grown and gotten way further away from that, we've lost a lot of that idea of meeting the needs of the families we serve. But we're talking about ideas, just how we can get back to that. And so that, that might even be worth you know, a, a bigger emphasis in a, a state-level mission statement. Know your families. Mm -hmm. know who you're serving get back to the community aspect of school what is it that our community needs well it needs a sense of community it needs a sense of belonging a sense that your school is here to do well by my child and and i just want to have a, a stake in what that looks like beyond the comprehensive planning process of a school more on an intimate level of a school relationship with an individual family or many individual families or all individual families. So let me write a mission statement off the top of my head based on what you're saying. The mission of this school is to form interpersonal relationships with families and students that meet the needs of the families and students. I don't know how you could say it better. <laughs> there it is. And... This is going to look different at different levels of education, right? Right. If we're going to have those meetings, those bread-breaking meetings with families, they're going to be different in first grade than they are in sixth grade. They're going to touch on different things as the family's understanding of their child improves, as the child grows up and starts to develop their interests, passions, things that they're really good at. Think about what that looks like in middle school and then maybe what those high school meetings start to look like instead of this system that right now I feel like you rush and rush and rush and rush and get to the end and people have told you to do all these things and then we say goodbye, good luck. Right. We could measure how well we're preparing people to do these lofty things that we're talking about based on where they are when they get to leave our campus. Yes. And based on then the feedback from the family and the student every step of the way, how did we do together in reaching these goals that we set for each other? Right. Which are so much more impactful than any number or grade that you're going to get. And, and again, we do have qualitative measures out there, but how pure and robust are what we talk are we talking about right now? Mm -hmm. So we're getting close to an hour. I want to touch on one thing I think is important. Mm -hmm. What do we think this looks like? These ideas we've talked about return to that concept that we started with. What's the goal? We're not quite sure what the goal is. 
What do we think this looks like in a classroom for a teacher? What do we think this looks like in a school for an administrator? What do we think this looks like right now in a school district? Like practically someone listen to this tomorrow, a teacher, administrator, uh, school official, what's it look like? I'm going to start in reverse a little bit. I think at a district level, it involves a, a sense of belonging to your board of educators. I know who my board are. I know at least one of them rather well. They, they serve me as a member of a community. Um, they perhaps have broken bread with me, at, at least in a school building sense. They're here to listen to me instead of pushing a personal agenda or instead of um, trying to keep a school leaning in one direction versus another. They're, they're here to serve me and they are my voice because I am but one of hundreds of families, if not thousands of families in this district. But I know I at least have the ears of, of a board member. Um, at a building level, I, I sense that the building is here for my child, I feel that the, the principal is approachable. I feel that my teacher is beyond approachable, is communicative and, and interested in the values that I have as a family, so is the, is the building. And at, at, the, at the kid and family level, is I've developed this with a school, and these are all things that have come to be important in, for our community. So that's how I see it. I was going to say a whole bunch of stuff, but I don't think I can say much <laughs> Of anything that sounds better than that. I, mean, I think you said it really well for all of those levels of the system. And I guess I would just part with saying that really recommend that people, teachers, administrators, whomever in the system, families as well, establish goals for what they want from this educational experience. It could be daily goals, it could be monthly goals, yearly goals, mm -hmm. and then work towards achieving those goals. Define those goals right. for yourself in your space that are really centrally important to you. We stated some, but we just talked about how they might evolve and change based on the other stakeholders. Right. And then work towards them every day. Right. Don't let those goals be developed for you. Work within to, to have your voice in them as well. Okay. I think we got what we wanted to get out of us. I'm really happy with the conversation that we had. Yeah, so am I. End it here and come back again. Awesome.